So church, we are approaching Passover, and it's happening April 19th when the sun goes down. It'll run through um, April 27th, and April 28th is when we're going to do something very special. Uh, now, it is an eight-day observance. For those that don't know, it's observance. It's also a time of prayer. It's also a time of preparation, and it's a time that we gather our offering to the Lord. I'm going to explain this in greater detail in just a little bit, but there's a, there's a pattern that theologians have found in the Scripture, in the Word. They call it the law of first mention. So wherever it's mentioned first becomes the simplest and most easiest way to identify it, and then the Word builds upon it. Now, you cannot have an established thing that you preach or teach. This is just hermeneutics. You can't do that without it being at least two or three witnesses. The Bible says let, let a mouth, uh, the mouth of two or three let, witnesses let every word become established or be established. So you can't establish something unless it's at least two witnesses, and then it starts somewhere at the very beginning. It has to be a beginning to it. I want us to look at Exodus chapter 12 because I'm going to bear these things out to you today. It says in Exodus 12, verse 1, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month, everybody say this month. This, this month shall be your beginning of months. So he chose an independent month, and he says, This is what I'm going to, this is going to become your January, if, if you will. This is going to be the beginning of your month. And this month shall be the beginning of months, and it shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the, pers of, of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. In other words, he's saying, I want a sacrifice, I want an offering, I'm going to do something very special for you, but I'm going to open the door. And the way that I open the door here is going to be through the offering, this lamb, perfect lamb. And if your lamb is, you know, too much for you and your household, then you can share that offering with another family member. In other words, we can, have, we can all jump in on the same so that, so that everybody has an offering because somebody might not have a lamb, so I can share and get on board with somebody else. But everybody's got to have an equal sacrifice in this or take part in this. And then he says, it has to be a lamb without blemish, a male of the first year. That's going to narrow, narrow it down. And you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now, you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And... They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lentil of the houses. So you, you have the two doorposts, you got the lentil, okay? And then he says, and then you, that's where you're going to eat it. And then you shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. All this has meaning. And they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. This offering is going to be used up, completely, 100% going to be used up. And then he says, this is what's so powerful. He says, and thus you shall eat it. How? With a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You're going to get ready to go somewhere, okay? How much ready to go somewhere? Are y'all ready to get to where God wants you to go? <laughs> so you shall eat it in haste 
In haste, quickly, it is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night. What did he say? He says, it's the Lord's Passover. It's the Lord's Passover, and I'll strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I'm going to judge false gods, and I'm going to judge the enemy in your life. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you. And the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. By an everlasting ordinance. Now, we know that's Old Testament, so just bear with me for just a moment. The children of Israel had been taken captive by Egypt for 400 years, They were in cruel bondage. They begin to cry out to God. God heard the lamentations. And he raises up a deliverer by the name of Moses. He says, Moses, you're the one. You're going to leave my people out of cruel bondage. Go knock on the door of Pharaoh, and you tell him, let my people go. Who shall I say sent me? He said, tell him, I am sent you. So he goes in and does those things, and they haggle back and forth. Uh, first he says no, then he says yes. Then he says no, he says yes. Yes, no, no, yes. And as a result of it, there were 10 plagues because each and every time when he said yes, the next day he'd change his mind and say no, there would be a plague that would happen in the land of Egypt. God literally, now then, I want you to see this. God literally has two new cycles each and every year, and they're called feast days. We're entering into the very first one of 2019 called Passover, And then sometime in the fall of the year, we'll have Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. We call it in the New Testament, atonement. So you have Passover, and then you have atonement. These are two times that God says, these are my feast days. Both of those times are significant because they both mark new beginnings. They are the first of the year. So God has two new years in one year cycles. That speaks of God's grace because he said his, 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 his mercy and his grace is new every morning. Something fresh God wants to do in our lives. In other words, it may look like it's the end of a chapter, but God says, no, there's something new I'm about to bring in your life. That's how God operates. He shows you I got something fresh and new for you. Now, in Leviticus 23, 2, it says this. These are my feasts. These are my feasts. This feast means appointments, not, not meals. It means appointments. Some, some say, well, that was before Jesus, so it really doesn't apply to me today. But let's just look at who kept the Passover in the New Testament. Did you know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, kept the Passover his whole life? Did you know that after he ascended to be with the Father, that the disciples kept the Passover their whole lives? Did you know that Christians kept the Passover for 300 years after Jesus ascended until Constantine came and messed up the whole calendar, God's God's cycle or God's system, and put in his own to bring in other pagan gods? Did you know Paul, who wrote two-thirds of your New Testament, he also kept the Passover until his death? So God... God had something he established. The believers of old understood this was something to be kept. Not like a Seder dinner, not to take lamb any, lambs anymore because now we have the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We got to believe in him. Someone say amen. But there are times and seasons that God has established that these are my times. 
I want my people to come and give me respect. I know they're busy. I know y'all got things going on. I know you got vacations planned, stuff happening. But I need you to come away from that for eight days. Give me your attention. Give me your time. It's not your time. It's my time. These are my feasts. They're holy unto me. Now, they, they, they kept those things. We've lost those things. So God was talking, or taking rather, his people out of Egypt. Ten, ten plagues came as a result. The blood and the water came. Frogs came. Lice came. Flies. Pestilence. Boils. Hail. Locusts. Darkness. And then death of the firstborn to live was going to die uh, as a result of, their, of, 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 of Pharaoh not allowing the people of God to go out and worship him in the wilderness. And so, and so we see that there was judgment that happened. So in other words, it got rough in Egypt. And I'm here to tell you, that's why during this season, many times people's lives get rough. It's like stuff gets turned up out of nowhere. What's going on here? And we think we're a part of the Egyptian system or the world system. Or we just think it's a part of our circumstances. But God wants to do something great. God wants to exploit something. God wants to show you what he's up to. He wants to bring you out of bondage. The blood and the hail and the stone and the death was not meant for God's people. You might be in the midst, it may be all around you, but it will not come nigh your dwelling. Somebody say amen. God not only wants to free us, but he also wants to judge Satan. Satan's always trying to keep you from fulfilling your destiny. He's always trying to keep you down to become a slave to your circumstances. He's always keeping you right where he can use you and control you. He wants to be Pharaoh. He wants you to be his slaves, and you ain't leaving Egypt. So what were they to do about this, this, this plague, this last plague of death and destruction that was coming? He said, bring me an offering. Bring me an offering. Deuteronomy 16, 16 says, three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses at the feast of unleavened bread. Again, these are appointments. At the feast of weeks, at the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. All will come with something to offer me before my throne. In the Old Testament, he commanded this. You will do this. I'm God, you're not, and you don't play with me because I'm God. And I give life and I can take it away. Y'all know some the old King James, come on. And so he, that's, God didn't play like that. You did what he said or you would die. You, y'all, most of you rebellious Christians don't know nothing about that stuff. You get away with stuff you never got away with back in the old days. You better thank God for Jesus and his blood every day and his mercy and his grace. Come on. Amen. And, and so in the Old Testament, he commanded, but today he asks. And he says, who is willing? Now, I still see his ask as a command. I'm trying to put it nice to you. But he commands me, I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump. But he does ask, and the reason why I say ask is because you have a will, and you can say no. But he wants you to say yes to what? To what he's asking you to do. Moses is a great example. Here we have, uh, we see the, the, the two working parallel. And he goes, he says, Lord, what, what am I going to do? We're out here in the wilderness, and everybody's thirsting to death. I mean, they ain't got nothing to drink. He says, go over to that rock. He goes, okay. He says, I'll take that rock and smite it. Slap the rock. 
And he said, okay. And he smote the rock, the Bible says, and out came water gushing out of the rock and formed a beautiful river of fresh water. And everybody went, and a million people went and drank up the water, and they were satisfied for many, many days. Next thing you know, they're dried up again. He says, Lord, what do you want me to do about it? He said, remember the rock? He said, yeah, go over there and speak to it. Speak to the rock. But he was angry. He was angry about his circumstances, angry about being on that hot desert, angry at those people being rebellious, angry at being ordered by God where he had to go. So he takes the rod and he smites the rod. What did God ask him to do? He said, speak to the rod. Don't you smite it. In other words, in the Old Testament, when God commanded, it was a smite. But in the New Testament, you can speak it. Come on, somebody. And God will, God will hear the prayer of the righteous. Come on, somebody. And you don't crucify Jesus afresh again. Come on, the rock is symbolization of who Jesus is. And he said, because of that, you cannot enter my promised land. Yes, thank God we live in the New Testament. Let, let's look at the results of their obedience to bring offering uh, to the Lord. We find it in Psalms 105, verse 37. And it says, he also brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among his tribe. I don't have time to preach all that. I might illustrate it next week, actually. But he comes, in other words, they bring the offering to God. It's a blood sacrifice. They consume it. In other words, it's used for the body. It's used for the body. It's consumed. They make haste. They're ready to go. God says, it's time to go. And they, now they flee Egypt. Why? Because death and destruction now has passed over them. And what they leave, they left out with all the wealth of Egypt. Remember, they asked to borrow silver and gold and tapestries, and they were able to get it, and they, went, they literally bankrupted Egypt as a result of it. And the Bible says, and there were none feeble or sick among them. What does the offering does? Man, it brings wealth. It brings honor. It brings distinguishment. It brings what else? It brings healing to your body, restoration, redemption. Come on. The word Passover in the Hebrew is the word Pesach, and it means to protect or protection. We need God's protection every day of our lives. It, it, was, it was during this time that God brought to Israel the feast. Again, feast means an appointed time. It's an appointment that God sets on the calendar. He says, this is my time. I want you to meet with me. I know you got your appointments. Cancel them. This is my time. Meet with me. In other words, a special time that God has set aside with special instructions. So God says, I've got these feasts planned out, but they're going to have special instructions with them. And he said, I want this to be this Passover, Pesach, this protection, this deliverance from the enemy. I want this to be an eight-day observance. I want you praying. I want you believing. I want you fasting. I, I, want, you, I want you to make things right. I want this to I want you to bring me an offering. Make time for me in your life. God requires it. He also saying if you've got malice in your heart, this is the time to get rid of it. If you've got anger towards somebody, get rid of it. If you've got unforgiveness towards somebody, maybe somebody's close to you that did do you wrong. You've got to get rid of it. How do you do it? By faith. It's all by faith. Well, I don't know if I can. Well, you don't know that you can either. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Say, Lord, that's hard for me. But, Lord, by faith, I release so-and-so. Lord, that hurt me to even say that. But, Lord, if that's what you want, if that's what I need to do, 
then I thank you, God, that you'll give me the power and the anointing to carry out my assignment because I want your blessing. I'm tired of going around the same situation over and over in my life. If you're dealing with issues of bitterness in your life, it's time to put the bitterness away. There's nothing worse than having the bitterness in your soul. Amen. Listen, this is not a time to retaliate. It's a time to alleviate. Get the pressure off of your life. Alleviate the circumstance. Alleviate the negativity in your world. It's all a time to remove selfishness. We, 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 might, we might have to put down the remote control. Oh, Jesus, help us all. Uh, Netflix, come on, somebody. Hulu. Who knew? We, HBO Go, all them other ones, right? And you might turn off the, why? Because God said, I want this time with you. Uh, you might not be able to go to your favorite movie this weekend because God said, I want this time with you. Um, games that you play, vacations, you might have to say, we got to do it another time. We can't plan it right now because this is God's time. That's how serious I am about this. God is saying, I want acknowledgement. I want you to acknowledge who I am in your life. Proverbs 3, 5 gives us this word. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. How many ways? Do what? Acknowledge him. And what happens? He shall direct your path. Man, we want direction in our life. We got to learn to acknowledge him. Just acknowledge him. Take the next, those eight days and say, Lord. You say, ah, but you know how the devil does. He beats you up, make you feel less of yourself than you should, make you feel like you're not a Christian, make you feel like, wow, what's the, you know, why should I even try because, you know, I mess up all the time. That's what you're supposed to do. You run to him, not from him. He's a loving father. His arms are wide open. He just wants you to get real with him. What, like he don't know what's going on anyways? Amen. The Passover is a trigger in the spirit. For what? For miracles. For breakthrough. For deliverance. Herod came to persecute the church. The Bible says Satan filled him up. And he went to take out. He took all the children out from two years and under because he heard a king was to be born. He's thinking it's a natural king. Didn't know it was a spiritual king. But it didn't, didn't matter because the enemy had filled him. And then they, when the church came about, the Bible talks about how he began to persecute the church. But the people of God began to pray. Do you happen to know what season it was that they were actually praying in? It was the Passover feast. It was during the time of Passover. The appointment with God, as they begin to pray, what happened? God set judgment against Herod. The Bible says he's a fat guy, and he fell off his throne, and he'd be split wide open, and there were worms crawling all over. It was nasty, gross. I don't know what was going on in his life, but God judged him, and he died. And the persecution only did one thing. It caused the church to explode everywhere. He could not contain it. Just like the enemy trying to contain you, he cannot contain. If he persecutes you, he takes real risk that he can spread that thing all over the place. Ruth finds her Boaz. You know Boaz? Well, you know Ruth. Ruth had nothing, lost her husband, was impoverished. And just was gleaning the, the field. Just to, In other words, she wasn't the one even working the field. She was the one behind the people working the field. So if anything fell out of the basket, she'd get it. Boaz was the owner 
of the field. And he, he, he was the one that was in charge of the company. And he sees her and says, man, she's good looking. I'd like to get to know her. And he sets it up to meet with her. God's setting you up. You have no idea what's going on. I said, God's setting you up. You may look like you're a beggar, but God's got his eye on you and his promises will come to pass in your life. They will come to pass in your life. Somebody's watching you. And Boaz came by and Boaz saw her and fell in love with her and wanted to get to know her. And the Bible says he fell in love with her and married her. Now the same woman that was working the field the day before owns the field the next day. God will work things out for your glory. Do you know when that happened? That happened during the time of Passover. Coincidence? I think not. It's where God's promises come to pass, where you possess houses you didn't build, vineyards you did not plant, wells you did not dig. Everybody else is going to look at you and go, that ain't fair. You're going, I know it ain't fair, but that's, that's God's way. I, I didn't earn none of this. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And you really stick it to him. The Lord will do the same thing. You just obey if you just obey. Hallelujah. Amen. Obedience is better than sacrifice. So what are the promises of God during this season? There are seven of them found in Exodus chapter 23. Seven of them. The first one is you will receive angelic assistance. Angelic assistance. God releases angels during this season. Exodus 23, 20, behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. This is the Passover promise, by the way. This is the Passover promise, Exodus 23, 20. All the rest of this are found in Exodus 23 as well. Now, he says, I will send an angel that's going to prepare the way for you. So you can expect, you may not see him, church. You might. Probably not. Most people do not but they're very much working on your behalf. They're very much here today. They followed you to church today. They protect you. They watch over you. They answer to God for your life. And they help you and they assist you. How many has ever felt like you've had an angel assist you at some point? Maybe a car thing or such. Yeah. I mean, I think all of us could say, I think that might have been an angel. I didn't see anybody there, but only, only there had to be something there to protect me. Or I saw a person, and come to think about that person may have been an angel that I was speaking to unaware. I don't know however God wants to do it. He does what he, he does what he does. My point is, he will bring you angelic assistance. That's his promise to you. Number two, God fights your enemies. God fights your enemy. Verse 22, but if you heed and obey his voice, and do all that I speak, then I'll be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Woo, I like that. You, you can quit fighting. You can quit hassling. You can quit being in the fray all the time. You can quit arguing with folk. Come on, somebody. It gets so tiring after a while. You could just say, Lord, I put it in your hands. You promised that you would fight for me. You will fight my enemies. You'll become an adversary to my adversary and an enemy to my enemy. God will fight your battles. I wish I could stay right there in that point for about 15 more minutes. How many has been fighting some battles lately? Yeah. It's about time that God got a hold of this. I'm talking about the kind of battle Jehoshaphat had, which happened to be not during the Passover, but it actually was during the time of atonement, but another feast day nonetheless. And it was during that time that God said, you're not going to fight this war. He said, that's good because we ain't ready for it anyways. 
How many of you have ever been caught off guard, didn't know what to do? Mouth open, eyes wide. I don't even know how to answer this right now. But you know you got a God that knows exactly what's up. I said you got a God who knows exactly what's going on in your life. You thought the devil had you out there to die, but God drew the enemy to you so he could abolish them and take them down with one fatal swoop in your life. And God set an ambush against the enemy. Somebody say amen. Ooh, I like that kind of war. The one I ain't got to fight, I just praise him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You're going to take care of that bank. You're going to take care of that health situation. You're going to take care of that bill. You're going to take care of my children. You're going to take care of my marriage. You're going to take care of everything, Lord. I acknowledge you. Number three, God will take care of your current needs. Whatever your needs are. Exodus 23, verse 25. So you, you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. He said, I'll bless your bread and water. Everything you need to survive, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take care of that for you. You don't have to worry about any of that. That's a promise God gives you. Whatever need you have, he's going to meet. Number four, this leads us right into number four because he, he said, uh, the last part of the verse, he said, I'll take sickness away from the midst of you. So number four is this. Sickness and affliction is removed out of your life. So I'm believing God for some things with me. Reoccurring issues in my body. How about with you? I've been taking communion every day saying, Lord, I'm getting my breakthrough during this season. This is going to be my breakthrough. I'm done with this stuff. Now, let me just tell you what the devil do. He'll put a head cold on you. Come on. Is that all you got? Come on. That's that. That, 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 thing, I'm talking about issues in your life that come up over and over and over again. God wants to put a stop to that thing. Some of you are dealing with stuff and you don't even know what else you can do. You've done everything you can do and you still don't have the answers to it. God does. He's going to take that kind of sickness and affliction out of your body. Somebody say amen. If we'll be obedient now, if we'll be obedient. Number five, new beginnings and long life, God promises you. New beginnings Long life. Look what it says in Exodus chapter 23 and verse 26. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. So that right there tells me new beginnings. Because when a woman becomes pregnant, come on, it's a new beginning. It's a fresh start. That baby has a brand new life. It's something that's new. No more miscarriage. By the way, women that want to get pregnant and you're married. And you got a man. Come on, somebody that you're married to. We've got to talk like that today in this world because everybody wants to shack up and have Jesus too. But that ain't what the word, word of God says. Come on, y'all. I'm not getting enough amens around here. This pastor will never accept that behavior. I would gladly accept it if it was found in the word, but I can't preach anything that's not found in that word, so i got to tell the truth. And the truth is you can't be shacking up together. Here's the good news. If you're shacking up, you know, people don't know shacking up. They probably don't even know what that means. When you live sleeping together but you're not married. No, 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 that's not good. Having sex and you ain't married. Okay, now we know what we're talking about. Um, And you love one another, what is the problem? What the problem is? Why don't you just get married? You know a preacher. Come on, somebody. And we got other preachers here too. Hallelujah. 
We'll get you, we'll get you married. I had a rash of this a while back. And I said, I'm done with this. I said, hey, if you aren't married, you need to get married. I want you to stand up right now. Boy, they stood up all over. I said, guess what? You found yourself a preacher. Meet me on this date. I'm going to marry every single one of you. And we got about six or seven of them married. Come on, in one day. We had one big wedding. Had a, they had dresses, and they, they looked beautiful. We had everything donated. It was awesome. They got married. Everybody got married. Nothing wrong with that. He wants us to be that way. That's what, his, that's what the sign of his covenant is. It's until death do us part. Amen. Okay, got off the subject a little bit, but it was by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Then he says, I will fulfill the number of your days. So in other words, he promised us what? Long life. I'm not going to die before my time. I can't. I can't die before my time because I'm living in his blessing, man. I'm in obedience to him. I'm not trying to put fear on nobody because God is long-suffering. I mean, I've been, I've been disobedient to so all of you, and he worked with me. That's, I understand that. But when it's perpetual and you know it's this thing over and over, let me just tell you something. you got to get to a place where you get real with God and say, i got to be obedient to what he's asking me to do. If I'll just do it, quit being so selfish. Preacher, tell me one time. He said, man, you're amazing. You got this, you got that. I mean, you're so gifted in all these things. He's, he's just singing my praise. At the very end, I didn't like that last part. He said, but I don't know what you got to do, but you got to quit being so selfish. I want to punch him right in the face. I said, that's of the devil. I bind you in the name of Jesus. But I kept my mouth shut, and he didn't even know what he said. He just kept on going, kept on talking, kept on talking. And maybe he knew. He just felt like he needed to keep talking. I'm not sure. But I, I, I heard that, and it went right in me. And I was mad. I was upset. Who does this guy think he is telling me? Blah, blah, blah. He don't know me. Who, you don't know me. Whether it was a slip or whatever, it went in me, and I said, he's right. I am selfish. I want things my way. I want them in my timing. I want, y'all, none of you can relate to this, so let me just tell them myself for just a second. Because I know I'm more selfish probably than anyone else. But I'm just saying, I knew what he was telling me. Some of y'all need to get rid of selfish behavior. I want what I want. If I don't get it, I'm going to be screaming mad, and I'm going to manipulate with my anger, and I'm going to get it till I get what I'm going to throw a fit, and I'm going to. Okay, when you're five years old, come on, Amen. But when you're 50-something, come on, amen. It's kind of ugly. New beginnings, long life. Number six, abundance and prosperity. He promises to give to you. Ooh, Jesus. Exodus 23, 30, little by little, I drive them out before you. Your enemy's going to go. Until what? Until you have increased and you inherit the land. I'm going to give you more than enough abundance, and I'm going to cause you to prosper. The Bible said that land was flowing with milk and honey, and there was gold in the land. Oh, abundance, wealth, prosperity, which doesn't just mean money. To prosper means to do well, to go over, to arrive into your destination is what that means, right? Number seven, and finally, your family is blessed because of you. Do you know my actions of obedience are blessing, have blessed my children and will continue to bless my kids? Hey, my mom and dad, what they did for us kids is still speaking today through me and through my kids and their children. And see, my obedience today isn't just taking care of Jeff. We're talking about up until the third and fourth generation. It's effective. We always think of that as a negative thing. That's a positive thing. I'm laying down things that are generational that are going to be happening for, for the next, I won't even know these kids. I'll be at home to be with Jesus. And my legacy will continue on. And the word of the Lord will be strong amongst my family. 
Church, we need to prepare our hearts to not only give our Passover offering, but also making God number one in our lives because how we treat this time is how we're going to be treated. Come on, somebody. How we treat this time is how we're going to be treated. How we treat God is how we're going to get treated. Amen. And so today, I don't have more time. I'm out of time. I hope you got something strong because I've been praying this week that you'd get it. But today, there are cards in the chair in front of you, my Passover commitment. And this offering is not for today. This is not for today. This is your faith. This is going to be a response to your faith. I want everybody to put one in your hand from the chair in front of you.